welcome to IRL Pod, the most relatable podcast in the entire world. I'm your host, Brady, and each and every episode, we're going to sit down with a guest who I think is living an interesting real life. Nathan from Boozy Burgers. How you doing, man? Hey, buddy. Um, so here we are for your episode of our podcast. I met you back when you were working at the press shop in Barrel mm-hmm. um, before you started your business there with Jacob at Edenbury. Um, this uh, Boozy Burgers is the food truck that's always parked there, and they have big plans to take over the world of the the brewery food truck industry, which will be really really cool. Um, but you've done so much more than that as well. Yeah, I think I've had a career in hospitality since I was about, just about 13, so mm. um, 37 now, You're putting the years in. <laughs> it's a long time. Um, I only found that out because we have a mutual friend and we're out on a Bucks night and you took us to a, a little restaurant in Sydney and mentioned that you knew all the people who worked there because you used to work there and then you listed off a few places you've worked, like um, Bistro Off and China in Barrow as well, uh, Ch- uh, Ch- Chaswick? Chiswick. Chiswick. Chiswick at the gallery. Yeah. That's pretty cool as well. Yeah, That's definitely. That's a big deal. Um, and then, yeah, Felix. Felix is fantastic. There's like a, the, the many other restaurants in Sydney, Bathers Pavilion, Cottage Point Inn, Restaurant Asiat, uh, opening for District Dining, also for Warren Turnbull. Um, I just like, I just love food, man. Food is good. And I always like wanted to work at places that I had a mutual respect for their I mean, philosophy of food, I suppose, is the way to go. So most of my career, I've actually worked in restaurants. I've went and eaten at before and I'm like, holy crap, this food is incredible. Um, so I want a job here. So I'd always just like go chase up the chef afterwards. So I've been pretty blessed in actually being able to work where I've wanted to work. I love that mentality. A mm. lot of people don't have that anymore. Like they'll, they'll try something they're like, this is cool. Uh, I guess I'll go home and write an email or something like that. But like, you're just adamant. This is cool. I want to be a part of this. Yeah. I, I'd literally walk up to the kitchen and I'm like, Hey, like, are you hiring? Cause here's my resume. I'll send it to you tomorrow. So, um, there's been a few jobs. I've like literally finished my meal and I'm like, okay, cool. Straight to the kitchen. Okay. Um, that's led to some of the high praise that you've received as well. Like I heard, um, when we had Jacob on the podcast, he was talking, the reason he started this with you was, um, he, he's a master of his craft, but you're a master of yours. And I think that praise is absolutely upheld from your lifestyle. So we'd yeah. love to hear about it a little bit. So in probably our coolest and like, almost like it was planned segue, we're going to move straight into your origin story here. Yes. Yeah, sweet. Uh, food is your thing. You love food. You want to know more about it. How did that begin? Is there a start point? Is it um, family oriented? I think thing? it's definitely or? sort of like the start of family. Like mum was always cooking, always fascinated in the kitchen. So I was always in there like trying to grab stuff, um, cook, you know, that sort of stuff with mum. So I think that's definitely like where it started. She was always just banging out killer like slices and stuff. So I'd always go to school with like a, like a nice lunchbox. Um, so I think it definitely started there. And then... Um, oh, you didn't have shapes on a roll up? No, I had shapes in a roll up, then like, you know, like a cherry slice as well. So I was like, yeah, sweet, dude. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and where did you grow up? Because you weren't in the, yeah. in the Southern Highlands local. Like no, no, now, but definitely yeah. not. Yeah, I, I definitely try and consider myself as a local now. I think I've been here long enough and like put the uh, put, put the hard graft in. Absolutely. Um, but I grew up, I was born in Tamworth in New South Wales, rural New South Wales. Um, it's the home of country music. You know? Home of country music, man. We actually used to live right near the Golden Guitar. Oh, wow. Um, 
so that was that was always fun. I spent like my my childhood um, egging buskers and stuff, country music festivals. <laughs> uh, it was always going town. Like you know, we go in there, we skate, like we ride our BMX and stuff, and then. Yeah, like country music festival. It was like free game. Like we putting like eggs in like parks for about two weeks beforehand, um, and then yeah, going to town. So that was fun, and like we, I had a really good time. Like in the country, it was just really good. It's really wholesome. Did that um, sort of help with your? Because obviously you're a little bit more rural out there. Yeah. Um. You you now have this mentality of using as much local stuff as you can, and knowing how and what went into the effort of producing the food. Do you think? Did, um, did yeah. that foster that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and also my godparents are actually cattle farmers as well. So they've got like a, a massive sort of cattle farm down in um down in, outside Tamworth, like called Nakia, yeah. which is uh, their name, Aiken spelled backwards, which I always thought was pretty cool. <laughs> so it was like a lot of time we're spending out on the farm, you know, like, you know, wrangling cattle and that, all that sort of stuff. So which is cool. It was fun. Yeah, um, I think it's definitely put, put the base in to like, okay, I'm going to like expand on this and then. And then, you know, really sort of focus on, like, local produce and stuff like that. But um, I think really, like, the, the in-depth soul movement that I was like, okay, sweet, local produce is definitely where I want to go was um, definitely when I worked with, for Matt Moran because um, he was very based on, like, local produce, knowing where your food came from. Obviously, he's got his own farm and stuff like that. And we try to only use, like, produce that we'd, we'd know where it came from. Um, and a lot of, like, Australian, like, botanicals and native ingredients and stuff as well. So that was always cool. Oh. Um, but then after Tamworth, sorry, I just sidetracked there for a little bit. That's right. Uh, after Tamworth, moved to Western Australia. Um, so lived in Perth from, I don't know, like 13 through to about 24. This is when you start doing it for a job. Yeah, definitely. So I remember it was a Friday night. I was 12 and a half. We went to a local restaurant called Gagano Restaurant, Italian restaurant, local in South Perth. Sat there, finished the meal, and I'm like, okay, sweet. I think I really like to do this for like a living. So I think the the next week I'd actually um, started there. Just went in there. Yeah, cool. Smashing garlic bread, cleaning mussels, you know, doing a few dishes and stuff like that. Cut so, 10,000 onions. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it was like I'd, I'd finish school at like 3 o'clock, ride my bike straight from school to the restaurant. Yep. Uh, first job was like clean 10 kilos of mussels, clean a bag of onions, then like, you know, butter like 20 loaves of bread for garlic bread <laughs> for the service. Um and then there was me like on a crate in the kitchen, which is definitely not OHS yeah. safe. Um, toasting garlic bread in front of like an open flame salamander, like all night. Oh wow! Um, so there's like this, yeah, this 12, 13 year old sweating his bollocks off like mm-hmm. every weekend, which was funny. But like it sort of grew, and like the love of food definitely grew. And they, the guys there definitely took me under their wing because I think within like three, four months on a Friday night, I was on the pans cooking people's pastas and stuff like that. Wow, that's so that was like fast by like age. thirteen, I was yeah cooking actually food for people in a restaurant properly. Um, we used to work all my school holidays, five sometimes six days a week. Um, definitely getting paid a pittance. Some days <laughs> not getting paid at all. Um, but it was just like it was just it grew like grew out of a love of food. Yeah. Um, so that was you know, definitely the the foundation and starting block. So. Um, and then I think it was later on, I'd moved to Sydney about 20, 24 and then started working with some amazing chefs in Sydney and stuff as well. So, and then finally ended up here in the Highlands. Right. How did that come about? How did you, um, I actually applied what I thought was applying for a job in Tasmania. Um, so 
We're not quite that far away from Sydney. No, no, yeah. I, I like looked at it. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Like you know, like Southern Highlands. I, I think I read it as High Range, like Southern High Range, which is was like this, was this alcohol fueled by chance? Were like, you just like there late is, night scrolling yeah, on Seek.com? There's there, there's a lot of my hospitality life is definitely like alcohol fueled, <laughs> like most chefs in Sydney, you know, and like. Um, so I was like, I applied for the job and it was like, okay, sweet Southern Highlands, my other pay, like pay looks really good for Tasmania. Cause yeah. I'd already been for like, I went for trials at a couple of restaurants, flew to Tasmania to go actually work there. Um, it's like, oh, the money wasn't great. And like this job came up and I'm like, damn, that's, that's pretty cool. So I'm like, all right, cool. Did it. And then they, they're really happy with me. They yeah went crazy over the CV and stuff like that. So, um, and then I, I came down here for a weekend. They put me up and ate around town and stuff like that so like horrifically disappointed when you got here or yeah yeah a little bit like i don't know it's not tasmania yeah it's definitely not tasmania and i got family in tasmania so that was like the whole point oh Um, no but like it was still close to sydney like i'd just become a father um so i was just you know trying to find the middle ground you know so well that's cool Mm. that's cool and your daughter is how old now my daughter is six and a half wow yeah she's definitely played a part for you i imagine in um, like location especially <laughs> definitely i think when she when she was born i was working at a restaurant called felix so like had a french traditional brasserie like beautiful beautiful restaurant uh, one of the restaurants i ate at and i'm like cool i want to eat like i want to work here so we sort of like approached and you know went from there but um when she was born it was like you know like 80 hour weeks and you know, like one hour sleep a night with the kid and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, so I think I did about six months. I was like, yeah, like I, I like my daughter, I like my job, but it was getting a bit too crazy. So yeah, I hear that um, happens a lot. Um, yeah. What, how do these owners, these business owners and I guess head chefs and stuff react to what is a Patreon? Just like walking out the back and being like, Hey, uh, I want to work here. I like your food. Has it always been met positively or is it sometimes a bit like... Yeah, um, definitely. I think it's always met positively because um, it, you know, it's out of like a mutual respect. You go to them and go, hey, listen, I really love what you do. I'd really love to learn and, and work work here and work with you. So um, definitely blessed. There's been a few restaurants I've finished at. I'm like, okay, sweet, straight to the kitchen. Um, but they always take it pretty well, definitely. I think everyone's like... A lot of the chefs I've worked with have all been quite humbled as well like it's not that sort of arrogant attitude where it's like oh yeah no sorry you're gonna come to the back door ask me for a job you're not good enough sort of thing yeah it's like you come to the back door you ask me for a job okay cool we already have a mutual respect over what you do um so then we go from there that's really cool Mm. that's awesome it's nice when you're in a community especially with something you're passionate about where it's supportive like that not not met with closed doors (laughs) yeah exactly exactly that's awesome all right so they're the origins of like that got you into food and you're working in these cool restaurants just to, before we move on is there a favorite that you've worked in i mean um, not, not throwing any of the others under the bus yeah it could be for any reason listen i've got i've got a favorite three purely because they've shaped me as a chef um so definitely growth definitely growth and like not just learning how to cook but also like running a business as well so like definitely the first one is um working for Warren Turnbull at restaurant Assiette and doing the opening as well for district dining. Um, one of, this is like one of the places like I'd finished eating at Assiette and I'm like, holy crap, this thing is like incredible straight to the kitchen CV. Yep. Sweet. And I was actually going overseas for about four months, uh, about a month and a half. Um, so they got back to me by the time, uh, I was about a month in 
yep, cool, spots opening up. You can have it in four weeks, which is two weeks after I got back. So worked out really well. I got back, set my my um, my notice into my last job, which was the Cottage Point Inn, which is another fantastic restaurant. Um, and just saying, I'm going to go work with this guy. But Warren Turnbull, he was just amazing. Very, very clean flavors. Um, loved the simplicity of food. Um, so with him, it's like, okay, cool. You take three ingredients and you make them shine. Uh, four ingredients, you make them shine. I mean, when you working in district dining, you'd literally have one protein, one vegetable. That was the star. Wow. So, so it's minimalist food. Minimalist food. And even like even Asiat. Asiat was like two hat dining. So like very, very, very nice food. And Asiat was like the chef's restaurant. Uh, so a lot of chefs used to come and eat there. A chance to cook for many great chefs from around the world while I was there. Um, but it's just like simplicity in preparing ingredients and just being true to that ingredient. Um, Nathan Johnson, the head chef at Felix, um, really taught me like the bones of running a business, running a successful kitchen, uh, and also getting back to my roots um, of like traditional French training and like cuisine and stuff like that. Because you go to Felix and it's you're cooking over fire, you have like like a hob, you got like a stove, an oven, that's it. There's no molecular gastronomy there's no cooking sous vide there's no there's no none of this it's like back to basics french cuisine yeah uh, and then the way he ran his business was just incredible i suppose like working for gordon ramsay like for 13 years will probably do that to someone <laughs> probably shape them a little yeah, bit yeah definitely so he was in he did the opening for maze in much? melbourne was yeah yeah the, <laughs> yeah yeah it, it was it was funny because i was the scene i was the senior sous chef there for like almost two years and it was funny on a Friday, Saturday night, he would lose his crap. Mostly on a Friday, because then we used to work Saturdays. Lose his crap. And I'm always like on the inside pass. He's on the outside pass. He's like, Westy, we're giving you dinner and a show. Just remember that. So it was all this like full <laughs> swearing in the kitchen. Like I remember one day we had a little apprentice in there and he's like, he goes up to him. He's like, do you want to work here? And the apprentice is like, no. He's like, cool, grab your crap, get the hell out like now and he's like what he's like i told you get the crap get the hell out middle of service 180 booked for lunch um yeah so he's like he's just yeah. down one staff member yeah and it was on my section as well <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're so, picking up the slack yeah yeah totally so like it's fun and he was yeah he's he's definitely one of the chefs i have like the most gratitude for um just because he's he's such an amazing like human being for one but just the way his style of like running a business and getting the best out of people um, is just phenomenal. And the third one is uh, definitely Matt Moran, um, local produce driven, knowing where your food comes from. And that's just massive for me, yeah, which, especially moving down here. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Mm. I love that. That's really cool. So they're the things that shaped you and they're the places you loved working at from like a, a good perspective of, um, just trying to grow as a chef, as a professional and yeah. be the best you. Uh, what about, what What was the worst? Do you want to tell that? Or you don't really oh, want to throw kitchen. somebody under? Oh, maybe man. we can leave the name out and you can maybe give us the reasons why you were yeah. out of one place. If, yeah, if that um, makes you feel a bit better. <laughs> no, that's fine. Definitely. I'll tell you what. Unless moving, you want to roast move, move, moving, moving to the Highlands was a was a bloody eye-opener. Man, I've, I've never seen... I've worked in a few hospitality places in the Highlands. It's uh, it's not good staff treatment. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. This this chef in particular was the first job when I first moved down here. Apparently, mm. 
he was over the moon when when I said, yeah, I'll take the job because I, I I was just working at Chiswick with Matt Moran. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to move to the country, you know, daughter and all that sort of stuff. So his guy was like over the moon, like he's read my CV and he's like, holy crap. Um, moved down here and I've I've never walked into a more filthier kitchen in my life. Oh, no. Um, with a more erratic and incompetent head chef. Oh, wow. Um, from someone who's probably been in the industry like, you know, double the amount of time I had and with the international experience. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just disgusting. I think my first, my first three days, cause I was drive, I drove down from Sydney for the first couple shifts cause I still hadn't got my, my apartment down here yet. Um, did the first service and I'm like, holy crap, how is this restaurant still running for one? And then my first three days I did 40, 48 hours between Friday and Monday, no, and Sunday. Um, and then one of those days was me coming in at like 5 a.m. and not leaving till 3 a.m. that morning, like the next morning, purely because I was cleaning. Oh, wow. Yeah. We oh, spent. Geez. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really help you sort of produce what you want to produce, but it's got to no. be done, right? Well, like, it has yeah. to be done. Like standards have to be met. And yeah. like, you know, I know like in Sydney, if a kitchen was like that, it was like, you're, you're getting shut down, mate. Definitely. So yeah. like. Oh no, yeah, I, I think we have one health inspector for like here to like four districts. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. pretty nuts. So he's supposed to make it around once a quarter, and I think you get one a year. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, this guy was, yeah, he was, he was interesting. Definitely interesting. I don't know where his concept of food and stuff came from. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and also like his cleanliness and stuff. But it was probably the most alcoholic head chef I'd ever worked with. I reckon we've got like, a few of those around here, though. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I've worked with, like, a lot of chefs who have vices. Like, that's cool. That's fine. It's very common in the industry It as is well. incredibly common. And do you reckon, like, not to interrupt you, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> it's, I've, I've worked restaurants when there's that full under the pump feeling, mm. and it's crazy. And you don't always love it in the moment. Sometimes you do, and you thrive yeah. off it, and you enjoy it, and so it's a great time. But then that sort of like comes to a halt. It very rarely tapers off in a nice way. It's just kind of like, it's done. Now it's time to clean up and then you go home. And like, it's night. It's some ridiculous time. Sometimes it's the morning. Um, But it's all gone. All the noise is out. I remember not being able to sleep after nights when I worked nights. That was like the worst thing. It was like two or three hours of just like, I had to chill the buzz out in my head. Oh yeah, Because you are moving really fast the temperatures are crazy you are smelling things you're you're tasting things Mm. like you're getting things sorted yeah constantly and you're running on this like absolute assault of your senses for money like (laughs) and you have to do it you can't just yeah like you can't just bail out mid-shift and you do it for hours and hours and hours and hours and then it all goes away yeah but your head doesn't or your head just just keeps going i've always wondered if the reason that like substance use in those, in those industries, whether it's alcohol or something more illicit is just born out of that. Like um, just the fact that that thrill is not going to be around in the, the normal calmness of yeah. life. Um, but what, what do you have your own take? Yeah. I, oh yeah. I've, you know, I suppose like, you know, 37 now I've grew up like in, in the kitchens where it was like a lot harsher on, on, on like the people. So, you know, like I've dabbled, um, and then it was always like end of shift. It's like trying just to get your mind like sort of zenned out so you can get ready for the next day. Because sometimes there's only like four hours between your next shift by the time you finish. Um, so, yeah, sometimes like a drink after work sort of helps out. 
But then one drink after work leads to like more debaucherous activities. And then it's like, okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Instead of like zenning yourself down, it's like, okay, you're just revving yourself up again, straight back into the kitchen. There's been like, there's been, yeah, that was definitely a part of my life where like, we just go out drinking, you know, go home, hours sleep, if that, get a change or not sleep at all. And then straight back to work again. Um, But I think it's just depending on like the, the people. I think it's also like a crutch. Yeah, um, it's, so it's to support the thing that you want to do, but the yeah. industry is not set up in a way that's particularly healthy. <laughs> it's it's definitely not. It's it's def it's gotten a lot better. It's definitely gotten a lot better. And like now, also like running boozy and stuff. Like we try and only work four days a week. Yeah. So that means you've got you try and you you bang out your forty whatever fifty hours in those four days, but then you've got three days like one day to recover, two day two days to enjoy. Um, which I think is incredibly important. And I think moving forward, if I'm going to open up another eatery, we're probably going to do the same thing again, where the staff only works four days a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's great. And like, you know, you've got to watch your costs and stuff like that. But if you want longevity of staff and like happy staff, you really need to look after them. So, and that's it. Everybody. I mean, most people I know have worked something in hospitality. Um, and it is the sort of job that anyone can pick up and do to a mediocre degree. But mm. if you want someone to, to shine, to do well, yeah you need to take care of them because too often they're abused in this industry and they, they run out to do something else. Um, oh yeah, exactly but right. People move into it, not only cause it's an, it's sort of an easy access job, but it's a job where you can have a lot of passion for it and it can be rewarded in the moment in the shift. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not something every industry will give you. Oh no, definitely not. Like definitely like the most rewarding thing for me, even still now, like like slinging burgers and stuff, is like when someone comes up and goes, that is the best burger I have ever had. Yeah. Even when they go, like, this is like the top five burgers I've ever had. Like I've never worked in a place where we've made burgers before. In 18 years of hospitality, never worked slinging burgers. It's always been like high-end food. Yeah. Like really nice brasseries, you know contemporary fine dining stuff like that so um for me to go into like you know like making something incredibly simple like a burger it's like we wanted to put the heart the passion the soul into it and the hearing like you know like the punter come in and go hey listen that thing was incredible that's the most rewarding thing to me and it always has been yeah um hearing someone go listen that dish was incredible thank you so much and you can see that that was instilled on you early on as well yeah um and it was rewarded like oh, you, definitely i don't i don't think i've ever heard a story of somebody starting the kitchen they all start the same way you, you're cutting a million onions you're doing this you're doing yeah. that for you it was like cleaning muscles um and usually doing some job that is like definitely on the borderline or over the line of legal <laughs> yeah um uh, but usually you get stuck doing that for quite a long time but yeah you, you were moved straight into pans within three months so like obviously for you your passion showed at even such a young young age yeah yeah that's exactly. really cool so all right so from there we've done you know your, your work experience and we've we're not wanting to name names of the bad restaurants but like all the the less fun ones that you've worked in um and then we've we've gone through the good ones what do you reckon from there what was the instigate what was the spark for boozy burgers because obviously you meet jacob down here you go in the brewery you have yeah. beers having a laugh but what makes you go oh this is like, like bur- this burger is food so truck at the brewery. different yeah, yeah burger food truck yeah. at a brewery is, like you said it's it's yeah. far divide from um high-end french <laughs> yeah exactly like if he if you know you told me like like eight years ago that I'd run a food truck only doing burgers at a brewery, I'd probably like laugh at you and like, no, sorry, you've got to mix up with someone else. 
Um, but now I think like, you know, moving to the country, obviously having a family, trying to like, try and do the best things that I can do, but I was still trying to like be like a father and stuff like that. Um, it was like, you know, just big sort of like time sort of frame, trying to get everything in. Um, but with this thing, like, uh, and obviously running the press shop as well for just like three years. So I, that's one thing I'd never done either. I'd never worked in a cafe. Yeah, um, right. so I was like, cool, going to the press shop, I'm like, well, what, what, what is cafe food? So I just started doing like food, which I just thought was cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like super simple. That is kind of like the blessing and curse in cafes is you're not yeah. as regulated. You don't have to fit in with something. You, yeah. you don't have to be all this type or all that type. You you can literally go everything. Oh, exactly. So we just try to like, especially at the pressure, we try to make it like, um, well, I, I pushed hard for like local produce um, super clean flavors and like sort of healthy sort of sort of eating. So after doing three years of that, and then obviously going down to like Eden on a Sunday and always missing out on um, what was that food truck? There's a f- burger food truck. We always used to come down on a Sunday. Big Puppers. Big Puppers. Always coming down for Big Puppers and getting there and like leaving the kitchen early, like three o'clock to go get like Big Puppers. And they'd always finished and they'd close. I'm like, oh, you guys are crap. so i think like that they run out i I remember getting it a few times um they would run out always within like an hour yeah you drove 40 minutes to get here and sold out an hour yeah what were you thinking Uh, i was like now it's like i to to realize that they sold out an hour like i think it's all like a a load of bollocks and stuff Mm. but um like coming down and like seeing that and then like you know obviously chatting with jacob and stuff and i've done a few pop-ups at the brewery and stuff before and then COVID happened and then I was like, okay, cool. Like, I think I'm just going to do something completely out of my comfort zone. Um, something for the community as well, like something cheap, cheerful, something really decent. Um, it's still like a lot of flavor involved and stuff like that. So we had a chat to Jacob. He's like, yep, sweet. We want to try and get a food truck here permanently. I'm like, all right, sweet, let's do it. Yeah. So, you know, that's pretty much spawned, and that's part spawned of that Jacob's idea. Issue so. that we started to begin with in his, in his podcast that we actually have to get him on for another part. The fights were cancelled in his initial business plan. He was going to do a full kitchen and, yeah. and serve food. But now it's such a weird country where like, nope, can't do that. You're an industrial area. But yeah. then you can park a truck permanently in a car park and then you're, it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I like it's crazy. And, you know, like you look at like other states. There's like one of one of my favorite restaurants um, in LA. It's called Destroyer. Breakfast and like brunch only. Middle of industrial area. Yeah. Um, full, like, Nordic, like, killer, killer, killer cuisine of, like, this amazing chef. And it's, like, middle of industrial area. It's, like, okay, like, there's trucks driving past, you know, like, there's, like, a, like a fabrication shop next to it. But it's, like, <laughs> this chef who's, like, worked in some of, like, the best restaurants in, in like, America, like, French Laundry and, like, Alinea. He's opened up this little, like, brunch eatery. Oh, and, like, I've watched their YouTube videos. Uh, I was saying the, there's like a 24 hours in linear um, yeah. and then like the, the desserts they do on the table. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a new piece of art every yeah. night and they like draw things with spoons yeah. on your table. Like food and, and like, so, yeah. like bring out stuff um, and like it's got nitrogen on it and then they like break it on yeah. the table. Like, like the mist on the table. Yeah. So this guy, um, uh, he, he used to work at a linear and like also like the French laundry, like with Thomas Keller, who's like a massive inspiration for me as well. Um, and it just opened up this little, like this little eatery destroyer in like an industrial area. So like, I, I don't, I don't get the fact that it was like, oh, you know, no, you're in, in, in a industrial area. Like you can't, you can't serve food. Like why not? Yeah. 
why not? These people got to eat. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, yeah, not even no, that. It's like, I'd like to open up like a really cool sort of eatery, like in an industrial area, like, like literally like roll up a roller door. Yeah. You know, and go in nice tables, like, you know, good service, good wine. Um, yeah. So it'd be nice. And I don't see why it can't be done. It's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, we, we can do it on the main street. You can have a, a pet store connected yeah yeah <laughs> to exactly a, to, a, to a cafe um and that's fine you can open a winery can have wood-fired pizza it's in the middle of a field there's like mm. birds and, and insects and everything around but that's fine yeah but industrial no yeah don't be don't don't, yeah. don't be silly you can't put a kitchen there permanently you can put a truck there yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like, what? It's, just, yeah, it's, it's just so backwards to me like even look at, look at sydney like back at chippendale and stuff like that there are so many amazing restaurants in there it's like it used to be like an industrial area so yeah. i was like all right fair enough yeah cool all right so you, you meet jacob you want to you start talking about what you're going to do how do you land on burgers and one of my favorite things is like the whole business premise where yeah. you have some of their beer included mm. in every menu item yeah exactly so um i just thought you know, like, what? Like, realistically, it's it's an American style brewery, and like, let's just not beat around the bush. Like, obviously, Jacob's, oh, Jacob's Texan very stuff. aware. <laughs> yeah. So, like, and like, I wanted to like sort of like like pay homage to that. It's like, realistically, you go to an American style brewery, like America burgers. Like, let's let's just get after it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. That's that cool. was that was the whole thing, and it's like even now, it's like we've really got to watch out. Even though we have like a set menu and we do burger of the week and stuff like that. We really try and like still pay homage to the whole like American classic burger and then not stray away from that too much. And then with all the beer and stuff in the food, um, it's it, like it's very easy just to put beer in everything and hey, like beer food. Um, but we use like yeast straight from like the fermenters and stuff off the beer they're brewing for like batters. Um, the grains they use in the in the beer, we actually get that milled into flour. Um, we use that in our batter for like for the IPA batter pickles and stuff like that. Wow. Um, the pickles itself was like, that was like three, three weeks R and D just for like, yeah. just, just for the pickles. Yeah. Um, I, I, they were unreal. I remember I had a few of them in the early days and yeah. now like it's one of my favorite things on the burgers. Yeah. That's outrageous. Yeah. So we actually started, we actually made vinegar from every beer they had on tap. <laughs> that's, that's how it started. We had like 10, 10 mother vinegars going. Uh, then we went back down as like I'd said in the beginning, I think really it's like the Birchwit and the IPA are probably going to be like where it's at. And we ended up going with the Birchwit. So we, um, we have the mother vinegar from the Birchwit. We make more vinegar every time we make the pickles. Uh, so we basically make the vinegar out of the beer, out of the Birchwit to make the pickles that go then on the burgers. Um, so like, yeah, as I said, like any, anyone can go, Hey, yeah, cool. Put beer in it, beer infused. We'll oh, actually yeah, go on every, like every Aussie guy cooks a barbecue and for some unknown reason, pours half his beer over the top of it while it's cooking. Yeah. And yeah. as far as I know, it does nothing. Yeah. I, I'm still one of those guys. <laughs> 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 I think like last Sunday night we we're cooking sausages at the brewery. Like it was just, it was really, really random Sunday night. Um, like one of the regulars pulled out like a gas burner from the back seat of his car and on the log where the bike rack is out the front had this little gas burner cooking like uh, like Czech sausages in the pan and they're like has it got enough oil has it got enough moisture I literally just leaned over and I poured like half my beer in it and I'm like it'll be good now I'm not sure about the <laughs> that's 
I love that. Like yeah. the only qualified person to talk food around is like, just pour beer on it. Yeah, it's it'll fine. be fine. It'll be fine. So like, I, I, I'll still put my hand. I'm still like one of those guys, like you have a few beers at the barbecue and like, yeah, it will make it taste better. Um, but then it's like, you know, with us, with us at the brewery um, and at Boozy, it's like, cool, you know, like trying to actually go more in depth with it, like trying to use the yeast, the grains, yeah, um, plus the beers and, and stuff as well. So but every beer tells a story and it tells a story in our sauces as well. Like we don't just go one beer in the sauce. Like it's literally, okay, cool. We'll choose the, the, the Phoenix. Cause it has like sort of like very like oats, honey sort of flavor and stuff like that. So a little bit of sweetness. So when we're looking at, looking at something a little bit more bitter, we'd use a sweeter beer. So that would be the Phoenix. Yeah. Um, like the ranch, uh, we're using the willow at the moment. Cause it's got that nice, clean, crisp flavor. Um, and with the ranch, it works perfectly. But if you put like the IPA or something in there, like the hops are just going to really just sort of take it over the edge. Yeah. So it's still thinking about what we're doing and like, yeah, you're not just pouring like, any random beer into yeah, any ingredient. Yeah, exactly. Trying to make it. Yeah. You're bringing that mentality of all the stuff you learned about food in the early days to a more approachable type of food for a lot of people. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's really cool. I like that. So that, that explains that origin quite quite nicely i think we're quite cleaned up with how you got there <laughs> sweet um the, the the next section that we like to allocate in the podcast is the mountain section so this is things that got in the way but it's not just stuff that got in the way um and just like you know hold you up it's uh things that were challenges things that were difficult um things that presented new things so i know like obviously with jacob there was a lot about like council getting in the way and things like yeah. that and they were moving around all the time and all that sort of stuff and having no money was yeah. a big one for them. Um, you've, you've sort of expressed a few with like, we went over like the bad kitchens you worked in yeah. and stuff like that. But um, what got in the way of not just your career or what, what made speed bumps in the road? Obviously you have a, a child and yeah. the children are in the way, but it creates oh, more those. challenges yeah, when exactly. you're somebody who works these crazy hours. Yeah. Um, so yeah, run us through. Um, I suppose like, I'm like my own worst enemy. Like I really am. Like if, if anyone's going to like a throw, throw a kink in the works, it's definitely going to be me. Um, yeah. So like from a young age, it's like, all right, cool. Work in hospitality. Yeah, that's cool. And it's like, all right. Um, you know, I'm going to start going out and then all this sort of stuff. And then, you know, like girls came into the picture and stuff. Cause since I started in hospitality so early, it's like. By the time I turned 16, I was like, all right, sweet. Um, like girlfriends and stuff like that. So that <laughs> so was like... You'd already spent like three, four years yeah, with like, chefs yeah, who were yeah. like the dirtiest people. Yeah. Yeah. They were some, feral. In, yeah. In some ways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, yeah. Was, you know, there's all this, you know, sort of like macho, like chef talk behavior with women and stuff like that. Especially like, you know, back in like early 2000s and stuff like that. Like that when I was like actually working. Um, so, you know, I can remember like the first time I thought, okay, cool. I'm not going to cook anymore because, uh, girls don't want apprentice chefs. They want guys with cars and like decent paying jobs. So I actually stopped cooking for a little while. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. So that was, that was a definite speed bump. Um, and then I started getting into other things like music and then like music production and DJing and stuff like that. I didn't so know that. That's cool. Yeah, man. So, so I, I used to like uh, DJ I... house parties, raves. Why am I in charge of the desk? Yeah, well, why that's what I was before. Me... I was like, all right, cool. Maybe I should pull the mic back a little bit. <laughs> why, um, why did you let me mansplain what I was doing in the setup? That's cool. <laughs> You're a yeah. DJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so like that was, that was always fun. Um, 
Yeah, like like the parties are always crazy. Like so, playing to like a few hundred people, like even like a, I, yeah, I don't think I ever played anything more than maybe like five hundred people, like in a crowd and stuff. But um, that's not like, a mere accomplishment. Yeah, like it's fun. And like for me, like I hate like public speaking and like talking and getting in front of people. And like I'm always like a bit like sort of nervous and stuff. For me, I like, getting on the decks in front of like hundreds of people and playing. Like I suppose it was like a bit of like a release, I suppose. Um, but it was always fun. It was always really fun. Like back in Perth, um, like the, the sort of like culture I was in back there with like music and stuff was everyone's very friendly. Um, so like nearly everyone had turntables and records and stuff like that. So. Uh, and that's that definitely helped me get through like a lot of bad spots in my life, but then also caused a lot of hiccups in my life as well. Well, you'd left the thing that you were sort of loving for. I mean, it doesn't sound like you didn't enjoy music, but you you sort of went into it for some more vain reasons. Mm. <laughs> yeah, chicks dig DJs, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was that was always I'm gonna fun. Quote that on the on the Instagram post for this and in the show notes. Yeah, do it. Nathan says chicks dig DJs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's always a fun time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was that was good, and like you know, as I said, like you know, it, it caused you know, like some beautiful memories and like parts of my life. But then it also caused like a lot of sort of darker stuff as well. Um, just like in the scene and, uh, and stuff like that. So things can get out of hand. Uh, but it was always fun, you know, like in Perth. Okay, sweet, Friday night. It was like when we started going out raving and stuff. Okay, sweet, you're going to meet at a certain train station. She'd meet at Eats Perth train station. No one's there. But there is a bunch of like a thousand flyers like on the train station. So you pick up the flyer. You'd read it. That'd give you the next clue to the next location you need to go to before you actually get to the rave. Wow. So it's, it's yeah. So it's like scavenger hunt for scavenger the... hunt and raving. Yeah, pretty much. So My which is God. which is really cool. And like I was like 16, 17 at the time. Um. So that was fun. It was really fun. Like I'd finish work on a Friday night and then like random train station find flyers, and then try and track these they, these like, like these raves and parties down. Well, that's um, cool. Is yeah. that ever something you'd return to? You reckon? Um, I, I do like the whole culture, the whole culture, love the music still. Like, um, like I still, I've still got all my turntables, uh, like thousands of records and stuff at home. Like I still mix, I still actively buy records and like follow like DJs and stuff like that. Um, but for me now, it's more like the whole like sort of like Zen out sort of thing. Yeah. Cool. And jump on the decks for an hour and just like sort of chill out. Yep. Um, like, yeah, I think I came, it came to the point in Sydney cause I was playing a party, uh, just on Oxford street. I can't remember the bar's name. Um, anyway, so I was in there playing, got paid at the end of the night, 50 bucks. And like, I got like a, like a bar tab, which like, you know, we just drank a couple hundred dollars worth of booze and I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> I don't think I can actually live a sustainable lifestyle like it's doing this. It's kind of this. a problem, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not the sort of job you want to do sober either, so it's not like there's yeah. that option. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, you get in there, it's like, you know, you listen to the guys, like, playing and stuff. You'd meet, like, like some crazy DJs from around the world. Uh, so you get in there, you hit the piss hard, and then all of a sudden, like, you're set. You've got an hour set. And I was just in Sydney when I was playing. Uh, so I used to go back-to-back -back with this guy named ZK. Uh, so it's 10-4, ZK dubs, back-to-back, hour and a half. We'd play like this uh, style of music, like old school sort of jungle, so 94, 96. Um, just really sort of like cool. I, I, I like it. Like it's cool. It's like yeah. reggae based. It's like, it, it's it's nice. So we'd play and we'd, we'd be so drunk by the end of it. And it's like, <laughs> man. What was your DJ name? Did you um, slip it in? I, I've had a few. So the like 10 4 was mine because it was like 10 4 Kimasabi. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I just, 
I've, I've never been one to take myself overly serious. That's like, awesome, mm. though. That that sense of humor is not present in everyone. Yeah, I, I think I, I know. Like, if you can't laugh at yourself, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's absolutely. the way I look at it. Absolutely. Mm. No, that's cool. So, what what else besides Ten Four? Uh, Ten Four, and then my first DJ name was Cutty Cut Smith. Yeah. <laughs> we did you have an emo fringe? No, uh, loved hip hop, loved like, you know, digging for records, loved scratching. Um, yeah. So it was like, okay, sweet. Oh, right, so, yeah. so the other end of, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you're yeah, definitely not the emo end. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I like being into like, sort of like hip hop and, and stuff from a very young age, like mad love for like beastie boys. Like, you know, um, I don't know, uh, 10, I think. Yeah. So cool. like. You know, like very long time, like love sort of like old school hip hop and stuff like that. That's cool. So mm. I'm not sure that that was necessarily a mountain in your way, apart from leaving your passion to go do something that you did not like. Like you, you were still enjoying yeah. it and were somewhat passionate about it, but you did it for a vain reason. <laughs> yeah. To get yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But then, as I said, like it did not pay the bills. Like I ended up like working as like a forklift driver in like an aluminium extrusion plant. Ooh. The yeah. things so that, that was like, yeah, sort of yeah. suck our soul. Probably. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like, you know, there's, there's so much more in depth to, to what happened and stuff like that. But probably yeah. shouldn't be doing most of that probably hung over every day as well. Yeah, so. exactly. That's... So, um, so that's, that's always fun. <laughs> but what? yeah, like at least like I got there in the end, I got back into cooking and stuff. When I moved to Sydney, it's like, um, like my brother was running, uh, he was running a restaurant over here in Sydney. Just like, oh, cool, I'm moving to Sydney. I'm getting away from Perth. It's getting like, it's just getting way too crazy over there for me right now. Like, I need to leave. So like, just get me a job as a kitchen hand. He's like, all right, sweet. Got me a job as a chef. And I'm like, all right, fine. Um, so that got me sort of like back into cooking and stuff here in Sydney. So yeah, it helped you clear your head a little bit, obviously, as well. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome, man. Um, all right, so I'm not entirely sure that was a mountain in your way, <laughs> but it's, it's a fun story that somehow got missed out of your origins. So what... What has stood in your way? We can be specific to Busy Burgers or it can be just in life in general. Mm. Um, yeah. What has stood in my way? Um, I think like my own ego, really. <laughs> like it's, just, it's always like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm like, no, well, I can't really do that. So Being uncompromising with your passion can be challenging as hell. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you want to do, in, in your case, your food a certain way and the, the owner of a restaurant or cafe is sort of fighting you on that, yeah. that, that becomes a problem. Yeah, definitely. I definitely found that more down here. Like in Sydney, it's like you work in these restaurants and it's like, okay, sweet, go in, do your shift, like do the best that you can and like just show that you are better than anyone else. Because you're always like, my mentality in the kitchen was always to come in, you pick someone, you pick someone above you. So I was like, I'll pick like the sous chef. I need to be better than the sous chef. And then, you know, you get to that point where like, cool, the head chef starts noticing. Um, But then there's other places where they're like, you know, don't let you do anything. I had that experience down here in the Highlands with the business I was working for. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah, I know your experience. That's great. That's fine. But we want to do this. And I'm like, well, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, fine. We'll do it your way for two weeks. If it doesn't work, then we'll do it my way. So um, I think that's that's probably the thing down here as well. So Yeah, that's kind of an annoying nag. Yeah, it's an annoying nag. But in the end, this place ended up being like incredibly reputable. Um you know, we had a uh, uh, travel journalist from Singapore come do um, like a piece on the Southern Highlands. They ended up just doing a massive piece on us because they found the food and what we're doing so interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. So in the end, I turned I turned their their business around, which I said, listen, like the food cost was like out of control. 
um, everything was bad, no staff. So I went in there, like I started with me and like a, an apprentice who was there for three months uh, and basically turned their business around within the first 12 months of sort of being there. Uh, and then after that, it was just like, yeah, growing, growing, growing to the point where they could actually sell their business and make a profit. So, yeah. but I'd left there by then, so which is, which is fine. But yeah, the, the hurdle for them was like, no, we should be doing it this way. And I'm like, listen, I've been in hospitality for long enough. Like you probably should listen to me rather than, well, you hired yourself. me for my yeah, advice. Yeah. Exactly. I run into that as a PT a lot. Uh, people will come in, um, ask me about something in particular. Maybe it's a diet. Maybe it's a, a workout plan or a frequency of training or a certain exercise sometimes. Um, or they saw some bodybuilder do something and they're like, why aren't we doing that? Yeah. And then I'll tell them in excruciating detail mm. <laughs> because I'm annoying that way. Um, why that might not be the best idea for them as yeah. a person uh or, or for their goals or for their current ability and then they will then proceed to tell me why i'm wrong yeah after paying me for my advice yeah which is the same experience you're kind exactly of into, which like... is it, it might be the most frustrating thing in the entire world it's, yeah. it's the thing that definitely makes me want to smack my head against the wall yeah more than anything is when somebody asks me something and then tells me i'm wrong mm it's astounding yeah it's funny but i always like thought okay you're gonna take that that negative and turn it into a positive so like even with their their conversations and how the route they wanted to go with their business um i took that and then like some of the the most well-known dishes at this particular restaurant i was working at or cafe um but like spawned out of like hatred of like you know you guys are shit like but i'm gonna do this dish and just just like sort of like you know cool you guys down but also show that like we don't need to do it that way sort of thing which is funny it's just yeah some of the dishes were like you know oh that that salad's amazing and i'm like yeah cool that that salad was literally spawned out of hatred of you know like their (laughs) their their will of like ah their i don't know how would you put it um just like how they wanted to run their restaurant i'm like well no it shouldn't be run this way but it's just funny in the end it's like that was like a well-known dish in the end so yeah damn that's funny. <laughs> I love that idea. All right, man. Um, so those are the things that have really gotten in the way. What about Boozy Burgers? Was that a pretty seamless run? It seemed to come together. Everything looks like this from the outside, but mm. when, when I heard the conception of it and I got to taste like a few pickles and I was like, you're yeah. doing what? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It seemed to come together really, really quickly. Like you had the the, the thing, uh, mm. sorry, the, the truck itself, you wrapped it, you had all the gear in there and you're kind of like open like that. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. But was that how it went down? No. Um, I think it was, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely not. Um, yeah. I, again, I suppose it got spawned out of hatred. Um, it was like, okay, I'm like, I'm working and I like, get yeah, COVID happened and then like, all well, yeah, cutting shifts and hours and pay. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, um, I'm going to get paid like less than a 16 year old for doing like, you know, for, for actually making this, this cafe, um, you know, one of, one of Southern Highlands, like, you know, sort of most well known and like Instagrammable and like, you know, people would come down for like, you know, just to eat here. Like it was a destination eatery and I'm like, well, you want to like, sort of like, you know, like kick me in the butt and I'm like, all right, fine. Uh, so I ring up Jacob the day that they told me that and I'm like, all right, cool. That's it. We're, we're doing something. Yeah. So that was so like it's probably been like a thrown around idea at this stage between yeah. dudes. Yeah. And now it's like, no. Yeah. I, th- this is happening because I can't do what's going on. Yep, exactly right. And that was, uh, it was pretty, it was kept pretty close for maybe like uh, three months before I'd actually given them my notice. Um, 
and just trying to get everything organized, you know, like recipes, um, concepts and stuff like that. But like, it was, it was crazy. I was like, yeah, so we're going to do a burger truck. And like the menus, the menu we had like originally was massive, like massive. Like it was like 10 burgers or something. And I'm like, all right, oh, cool. Oh, that's we, a bit unmanageable. <laughs> yeah, we can do this. It's fine. You know, like two staff, blah, 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 blah. And then we did the, the then we started doing tastings. Um, and the tastings were like so thrown together. And I was so unhappy with everything. Like I was like properly depressed. The only thing I was happy with was the pickles. <laughs> and like that was that was it. And they're like tastings at, at Jacob's house. Like, yeah, I'm all, like getting 20 people around. I'm like, don't don't get 20 people around. <laughs> like, like we, it, it's a tasting. It's not like a celebration of what we're doing. You know what I mean? Um, and then like, yeah, I think like, it was it's so much work involved. Like three three weeks for the pickles, uh, two weeks trying to find the perfect meat blend um, of like different ratios of different cuts. Just for your patties, just for, for the patties alone. For your, for your OG burger yeah. and your double burger. Yeah, 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 just for the meat patty alone. Um, and then like what chicken? What part of the chicken we're gonna use? Um, there was like there was like a lot. It was like to the point where I was just yeah super frustrated. And then I can put my notice in. That's cool. Uh, and then we were supposed to open up three weeks later. And then like the food trailer like was like, oh yeah, no, we're not ready yet. I'm like, you told me this date. Like I quit my job. Yeah. You told me this date. It's I, like, oh yeah, no, it's going to be like another month. So I was month. like, yeah. Oh wow. It's like yeah, a week. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, yeah, it was, it was crazy. So I had about seven weeks before I finished at the press shop and uh, we opened up Boozy Burgers. It was supposed to be a three week turnaround. Um, so seven weeks of like me. At least you got to stay there though. Where? Did you say you got to stay at the press shop for an no, hour? No, I finished up. Oh, no, you yes, finished? I had seven so weeks it off. Took yeah. seven, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. So, like, no no wages. So I was, like, like, spending, like, you know, like, all of the money that I had. Like, granted, like, it was great that the government wanted to give out, you know, like, super loans and stuff like that. So, yeah. all of my super that I could took out, like, the 20K, I took it all out, threw it all at Boozy Burgers. Oh, um, damn. I think by the time we opened, I had, like, it's, like, the same sort of thing with Jacob. Jacob had, like, 30 bucks in his account between him and Deb. But I had, like, 100 and child support due. <laughs> so, I was, like, this better work. Otherwise, I am, like, I'm in a, a massive hole. Um, but it was, you know, it was a fun. It was seven weeks of, like, me and, like, friends of mine literally eating, like, at two burger joints a day. I think that's another reason why I hemorrhaged so much money. It was like just <laughs> trialing burgers, trialing different recipes, trialing sauces, and then like really like delving into like research of like origins of the burger and like who like who are the burger gods of like America and stuff like that. And it sort of comes up as like Alvin Kailan, um, this Filipino born like East LA American dude, which I had the pleasure of actually like, um, like just throwing ideas back and forth uh, before I actually opened up Boozy Burgers. Uh, and just getting him his advice on, on a few things and stuff like that. And then another guy, George Motts, who's like the granddaddy of like burger knowledge, history, you know, so that was cool. But yeah, it was like seven weeks of like me biting my nails and like, yeah, freaking out. Like, am, am I going to be able to pay child support oh, and stuff man. like that? So, and my rent. So, yeah, um, thought, but that's the thing. Like, I we opened I had up. it rough. Like, COVID hit me and it was like, business doors are closed. Yeah. And I like, emailed the real estate and say, like, Hey guys, what can we do? And like to no fault of their own, they probably got a billion emails mm. about that. They just sent us back like the link to the government website that was like, keep paying your rent. I was like, yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah. I don't have the money to pay. My the business rent. is closed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do? But 
I wasn't riding on the fact that a new business is going to open mm. like that. That's an extra layer. Like I thought I was bad because I sat on the couch for like two weeks drinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like my girlfriend walked past. She's like, are you going to change clothes today? <laughs> like, <laughs> nah. like I Beer. fought tooth and nail to get my business yeah. like to where it was. And then this thing happened that was the most out of. And when you start a business. Yeah. One of the big things you do, I think uh, a lot of us do, is we, we look for those motivational people and the stuff that they talk about, books, podcasts, whatever it is. Mm. And one thing they consistently repeat to you is like, you're in control of your destiny, blah, 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 blah. And then COVID happens yeah. and we're all like... Yeah, everyone's in limbo. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I'm not in control of this at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I remember like the day, like I told like, I was cold, like my wage went down and like, man, I was like borderline in tears. I'm like, okay, cool. I can't pay my rent. I can't pay my child support. Um, I can't like live, you know, basically all this other stuff so, as well. Since you mentioned that mm. and not to get like hectically personal, uh, was your partner at, at all, un- oh, your ex-partner, obviously, uh, was she at all understanding of that fact or was it? Um, like, yeah, you don't I, have to throw her under the bus yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I, I think just, she was. Um, and it's that sort of thing is like, well, like, sorry, there's, there's not much I can do. Like my wage has literally been cut down by like 75%. Yeah. Um, and then like calling up the people as well. And it's like, and then I had to try and get onto Centrelink and stuff like that. And yeah, like I had some savings and stuff. So I didn't, oh, and then when I called Centrelink, apparently I earned too much to actually go on Centrelink. So I could get no help from the government at all. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, cool. Like, yeah, COVID happened. Yeah, cool. Go to the government for help. Yeah, the government wasn't there to help me at all. So like... No, um, our pollies seem completely devoid of reality in some ways. I remember the funniest interview I saw, and I saw a few funny ones during that phase, was when they they talked to Scott Morrison and a reporter said to him, uh, what are these business owners supposed to do with paying their staff? Mm-hmm. Because that was the deal with JobKeeper was you continually pay your staff and we will then reimburse you for that. Yeah. Um, And then we'll pay you and you can pass that along to them. And someone said to him, yeah, yeah, but JobKeeper doesn't start for like nine weeks, like, like two months. Yeah. So what are employers supposed to do in the meantime? And he was like, oh, they can just go to the bank and get a loan and just pay them and we'll give it back. Like yeah. it's fine. And they're like, yeah, but what can they use as collateral for it? They weren't expecting this. Like, the yeah. bank isn't going to accept it. And they're like, what? Nah, they got the money. Like, just walk in and ask the bank. <laughs> like, his, his face was someone who has <laughs> just never applied for a loan yeah. in his life. Like, he's just like, just like what? Total, yeah, what do you no. mean they can't just get a loan? Mm. Like, well, you see. Isn't that what Australia does? We just, like, give out loans? Yeah, yeah. no. In Australia, you're going to say exactly what it's for, yeah. where it's going, and then what you're willing to put up for it. Yeah, and then how quickly you're going to pay it back. Yeah. Yeah, and what interest rate are you willing to get bent over for? Yeah, exactly. No, that's, yeah, that COVID was interesting, and you. But there is a, a shining light at the end of this. You, yeah, definitely. So, like, listen, like it's it's an old thing. It's like, okay, if you want to do something, you're gonna do it, and if you really want to be successful, you gotta like throw everything at it, you know. And like that was that was the roll of the dice for me. It's like sweet, we can like sort of like beat around the bush, or I can just go, okay, listen like balls in let's let's just do it and that's what i did um and it seems to be paying off like as again like i just want to do something for obviously myself and make sure i have a wage coming in yeah um but also like something for the community as well so um 
I just got so sick of driving to Sydney, Wollongong, Albion Park to get a decent burger. Like, I'm a definite burger junkie. Yeah. I'm like burgerholic. Yeah, hey, like, just put, put me up there. That's, that's fine. That's me. Um, yeah, I love the text. Um, yeah, like so the, the burgerholic, your order is ready. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when, when you buy a burger from um, the food truck, you don't uh, order it at the food truck. You actually order at the brewery at the, the counter. Mm. And then you give them your phone number and then you just sit down, have your beer, chill out, and you get a text message that says, hey, burgerholic, your burger is ready. Yeah. And I, I love that. It's yeah. so ridiculous. It makes me laugh every single time. Like, Oh, dude, like, yeah. It's, it's, it's the other thing as well. We wanted to make sure it was all fun. You know what I mean? and like that just that just cracks me up and it was like it was jacob as well he's like i've got this idea and i'm like all right cool because why don't we take the definition of an alcoholic and turn everything to burgers so that was like where the whole burgerholic thing came from and like he did it and oh man i i think i almost wet myself like reading it <laughs> it was hilarious it was even so the good. logo with the burger on top of the yeah the like uh was on, the, on the schooner last yeah yeah, yeah, yeah really we had cool. um we had like a, like a lot of time, like sort of preparing and stuff, logos and stuff. And Jake has been yeah, extra four about. weeks. Like you thought three, yeah. and you got seven. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And that's like part of me freaking out. It's like oh, we're paying. We ended up paying two designers to do work for us. Um, one obviously was successful, and the other one was not so successful. But um, <laughs> not. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like the the original concept. To from what we first talked about to what it is now as a brand, it it's literally, it's literally polar opposite of what we first said it was. Right. It was meant to be a cool like, like grungy like nineties sort of like grunge related sort of logo like super like edgy stuff like that. Um, and in the end, we've ended up with this with this killer logo, which is definitely not like nineties grunge sort of like approachable, relatable sort of thing. Um, to this, you know, like super clean, like logo we got now from like a local designer, Claire, who's you know, absolutely fantastic, uh, absolutely fantastic. So, um, but it's, it's just funny. It's like, we went from, yeah, it was <laughs> just good. Like nineties punk rock style, like burgers to, to like what we are now, which I think is a bit more wholesome. Um, yeah, that's cool. And yeah, like you said, you're supporting the locals as much as you can. And obviously there's beer in every burger as well. So you're supporting Jacob, but then jacob supports locals as much as he can as well yeah, so it's yeah. quite the the fun little um i don't know what do you call that mm, that's like fun little merry-go-round it's, it's literally a pass it forward situation <laughs> yeah. and then you get people come in and then like people like me and you um who has a local business himself and i try and drag people down there whenever i can yeah um whenever i think it's healthy <laughs> um and, and then get you on the podcast and you come here as well which is really cool um all right man so this is gonna be the section we enter for our plugs i actually don't have many this episode um so i want you to contribute if you can you've yeah, already cool. mentioned a designer so that's pretty cool yeah. um I'm going to mention Rob uh, Gallina because he has, he came on our last episode. Yeah. He's an absolute legend about it, but also the promotion he's done for the podcast since has just been like crazy. He's just constantly sharing our stuff. Yeah. Um, and not just that, like making original posts about it as well. Which yeah. And saying like he came on, which is just really cool. Um, I'm going to try my best so the acronym is uh, the business he owns is a f a c m s um they're essentially like they they go out they do professional shooting pest control but they also do meat processing to make sure that there's no waste um, which is really cool and maybe down the line those guys get involved with you as well yeah. um because yeah obviously you're you, you 
using meat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that could maybe be a cool thing as well. But they're my plug. What have you got for us? Um, oh, definitely with us. It's like Major's Meats have been crazy. Like uh, <laughs> Just after yeah. I like, endorse somebody else. Yeah, yeah. like that's the thing. Like, the, But these guys are like, I've had a pretty close relationship with this butcher for a while since I've been moved down here. And like they've bent over backwards for like my excessive needs of particular styles of like meat preparation and stuff. So... Um, they're absolutely fantastic. Um, who else down here? And like Toluca Park, we've used their pork a couple of times. Probably actually using their pork again on this next week's Burger of the Week. Yep, cool. Um, so we can leave that for just at the end there. Yep. Uh, and uh, like Brasserie Bread, our buns. Everyone's asking who our buns come from. Our buns come from Brasserie Bread. It's not a local company. It's from Sydney, but they do some really, really incredible milk buns. That's cool, uh, and man. then who else we use? Who locally? was the designer you mentioned for your oh, show? Designer? Oh, man. I, I know her name is Claire. I don't know her business name. I'm That's sorry, okay. Claire. Later on, um, so with all of our plugs, they will be links to all of their things will be in yeah. the show notes. So you can get that to me later and I'll yes, put that in. Sweet, easy. So that's totally fine. Um, and then uh, like Highlands Fresh, I've been doing pretty well. Like That's a fruit and veg. Fruit and veg yeah. up in Mittagong. It's like we try to They're keep like. Great. They do yeah. uh, veggie boxes. I used to get them. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think I've got to do it again. Yeah. But they just literally drop it at your door and yeah. it's like 30 bucks or something. Yeah, like, easy. It, it always forced me to cook outside my comfort zone mm. because you don't actually choose what's in it. No, exactly. There's a yeah. few things in it that are cool. Yeah, so they're, they're quite cool. Yeah, so like with us, like we want to try and like still like, you know, support as much local business as we can. Um, so just trying to get like the fundamentals like meat, vegetables, um, obviously the base of a, a base of a good burger. Um, obviously the bun as well. Unfortunately, we couldn't find anyone local to, to help us out with that. But then Brasbury Bread really came to the party, so... That, that's, that's awesome, cool. man. Yeah, cool. All right. So all these plugs will be in the show notes, so it's all good. Sweet. Yeah, so our last section here is the crystal ball section. So this is the part where you can tell us your future as you see it now, what you're planning, what you got in the works, what's going on right now as yeah. well. Um, one of the things that we haven't really gotten into, even though we nicked on it, was that you do a burger of the week, like this bespoke menu yeah. that if you're not following your gram, you won't notice. Exactly. Um, there are tags in that in both the episode with Jacob as well as to this episode. Um, Boozy Burgers, they've, they're pretty active on the gram, so check them out. But Sweet. yeah, run us through. Um, yeah, so like I think burger of the week, it always just changes purely out of my frustration to not change the menu every week because I think the last three years of me or for longer actually in hospitality i've worked in in places and like we change the menu every week sometimes twice a week so that always kept me like fresh always thinking and stuff like that but then also we were working with a lot of local producers um where i'd get like two lists a week of like what they have on the farm both different every time so the burger of the week sort of got spawned out of that so every week I have something different if you don't follow the insta you're not gonna know basically like everything's yeah, it's it's meant to be like the secret sort of speakeasy menu. Yeah, this um, week you had the uh, sorry last week. I guess. Yeah, last week. Um, you had the the meatball. Yeah. Which was like if Subway weren't shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that was awesome, man. I I, yeah, dude. I, I was covered in red sauce. My yeah. hands were covered, and I was just like never happier. I was yeah. my least attractive I've been in my life. <laughs> I think <laughs> so tasty. Yeah, I think that got definitely spawned out of like um like my my love of the simplicity of Italian food. Um, I think as I said to Jacob as well, like the the burger of the week last week definitely was not that 
American sort of style hit home runs sort of thing. But it was just something that was just super tasty. It was just really, really tasty. Uh, and I, that's actually one of the top three of the, the speakeasy menus that we've done yeah, for me. Cool. Um, but everybody gets something different. Like I try and get like, uh, we get, we get a lot of inspiration from like American regional burgers. Um, cause one thing I didn't know before I opened up Boozy Burgers was nearly every like mom and pop bar or different states actually have like their own burger. Um, which is cool. There's like, you know. I've got a book uh, by George Motz. It's like the American Burger Bible or some crap like that. Uh, but it's just every every state, nearly every city, like it's it's got its own like little crazy little burger. So uh, awesome. we try we try to base a lot of the burgers a week off that, and then also just like you know some local producers and stuff like that. We've got Pecora Dairy involved, Luca Park, um, and some other local farms and stuff. So it just gets spawned off that really. Um, Next week's one should be a doozy. Uh, usually, I don't. I don't actually work on it until like the day before. So we release this Sunday. So if you have a vague idea, you can actually let us know now because it's a ooh, tease. Oh, um, all right. Uh, so it's so, a post tease because you all have actually already done so, it. So what what we're thinking about doing is a, a pineapple and jalapeno glazed smoked pork belly burger. Man, I'm there for it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna try and do no dairy. <laughs> <laughs> Just for me. Just for Brady. Oh man. <laughs> Um, way too kind to me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool, man. You're good people. So, uh, yeah, um, we'll see how we go. We'll still do the patty and stuff involved, but um, I'm just, I'm literally speaking to one of the farmers right now and trying to get some pork, like, locally. So, um, and then, like, a lot of the farms around here have a heap of, like, jalapenos at the moment. I'm thinking jalapeno, pineapple, like, smoker. Like, yeah, oh, sweet. Man. It should be good. I love um, my spicy food. Yeah. I'm all yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. I do. I love it as well. And, like, everyone's always asked me, like, go back to do, like, the, uh, like, the smoked sort of meat style. Which is cool. It's great. Um, but it's so time consuming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like thirteen hours tending a smoker, like on my day off, which yeah. is like cool. But it means uh, I've got to stay at home for thirteen hours <laughs> <laughs> while I sit on the couch and either drink beer or like watch movies and stuff. Um, which sounds like awesome, but you know, it's not so good when you have a time crunch and some other stuff yeah. you'd rather do. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think the it, last it still work. Yeah, the last of the the smoked pork we did last time with the, uh, the smoked pork neck with the uh, the ebony barbecue sauce. Um, I started smoking that like way too late in the day, like maybe like 12, uh, didn't get off the smoker until 3am. So I was up until 3am tending the smoker. Um, so like they always say like, like, you know, like smoked meat, it's, it's a labor of love, just like cooking, I suppose. Um, but yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Um, what about future projects? What are are projects? I, I really, I, I think there's some amazing restaurants and cafes in the Highlands. Um, but definitely don't hit my mark of where I want to be and what I think the Highlands is missing. Um, so there's been, you know, like James Viles left from Biota uh, and Bertha's, uh, Nico left from Bistro Vicino, both like amazing chefs, amazing eateries as well. So strangely, just quickly to interject, mm. uh, by randomness, I ended up training um, in my in my other business, in my day job, um, most of Bistro Alfoncina yeah, <laughs> for like yeah. a half second there. Yeah. Like a bunch of the guys there, the chefs, the wait staff, and the, the owner, the owner's wife, mm. uh, and actually the owner's son at one stage as yeah. well. He just like left him with me. Um, 
So yeah, Nico mm. was one of the funniest men I'd ever interacted with. Yeah, um, he's he's definitely a character. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah, the uh, it's now transformed into Bisso Social. Yeah. Um, and the the chef that was leading that cause, he works with you on occasion as well. Yeah, he's a, absolutely legend of a dude as well. Um, he's he's trained with me as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so really. much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Bistro Alfonsina was the restaurant I only ever, unfortunately, got to only eat at once. Oh, really? But it was yeah. really, really cool. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Nico was actually one of the things as well. It's like I was running a place in in Sutton Forest. I'm like, okay, sweet. Um, was supposed to take on the executive chef position uh, in the 11 months I was there so far. They had five GMs in 11 months. Uh, so the last one was like, oh, no, I think we just need a clean house. And I'm like, well, I'm clean house. and I'm actually running the business the most successful it's ever been. No, 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 we, we'll get someone new in. And I'm like, all right, fine. Something like that day as well, put him on my notice. And I'd already been speaking with Nico. And I'd, um, I'd take him like extra produce from the garden that we'd have out the back and stuff because there's – I don't know, for some particular reason, the gardener thought, you know, like 40 tomato plants and 60 basil plants was like a really good idea and only growing that. So I'm like, okay, I used to take garbage bags of basil to like Bistro Vicino. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nico's <laughs> like, yeah, sweet, give it to Geordie. Like, it's fine. Um, so I finished up there. Oh, well, I didn't finish up there. Like I had my meeting and I'm like, all right, fine. Like I said, I'm just going to get back to basics. I'm just going to go work somewhere, but like, I just want to work. I, I thought the food was really cool. Went and seen Nico. He's like, yeah, sweet. And I said to him, listen, I'm not going to be here for long six months eight months if if you're lucky but like i just need to like clear my head so i went and worked there for a few months like five i reckon you'd appreciate that too he's such a straight human being yeah he surprised me so much so no one gave me background information on nico yeah at all Mm. like nothing and then on his career on who he is as a (laughs) then i trained him yeah and like the whole time we were going, he was like, oh, I, I've been training before and I did this and this and yeah. this and that pushed me really hard. So you need to push me hard. I'm not going to try and do his accent because I'll yeah. just sound mildly racist <laughs> by accident. Um, but it was just so funny. And I was like, okay, I'll push him hard. And then all I heard was reports from the kitchen being like, what did you do to our boss? He's mm. so angry and so sore. <laughs> I was like, he said... Yeah. Yeah, no, he's such a character and he's yeah. so lively all the time. Oh, no, he's definitely, really, really definitely. Cool. Yeah, like, it's good, like, because I got to see the Nico, like, outside of the kitchen and the Nico inside the kitchen and then also, like, the really aggressive, like, Nico hates me Nico as well, so. Yeah, I reckon there's a lot of facets spectrum. to that. <laughs> yeah, cool. But, like, he's, he's cool. Like, he's a fantastic chef, like, damn. Oh, yeah, those books and stuff, like, there's, there's a lot yeah, of cool stuff Yeah, in and there. Um, I help work. Uh, I'm not actually mentioned in the books. I think I pissed him off. Um, but, um, but <laughs> I yeah, like I see too much to be yeah, fair. Yeah. Like there's, there's a photo of my arm in the book. Um, cause <laughs> I was on the Pecora Dairy photo shoot. One of my actual dishes I did for Bishop Opportunity is actually in the book. He's just changed everything. Um, which was like, <laughs> which was the, um, it was like a charcoal, charcoal macaron, uh, oh, yeah. which is changed to a squid ink macaron. Um, but it was funny. I was like, I was speaking to Geordie. He's like, Nico's like, Geordie make the macarons. <laughs> Nathan, you make the gnocchi. And I'm like, all right, fine, I'll make the gnocchi. And Geordie's like, can you make the macarons? I'm like, yeah, that's fine, I'll make the macarons. That's cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I was the only one who was like, just really sort of nailing them out. So. Yeah. But like, it was good. It was, it was, it was, he's a good dude. He's a fun person to work yeah, with. That's cool. Mm. All right, so future projects, you want to do an eatery in the Highlands, yeah. supporting local business, doing yeah. as much as you can. But you're not, it's not come to full fruition no, no. in like your I, mind. Like, I think it's, it's one of these things I'll dwell on for a while. Um, 
you know, like ideas, they come and go every day, but um, like a good sort of solid business idea. It, it's going to take a little while to get like sort of the backing behind it and stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, hopefully in the next sort of 12 months, we'll, we'll open up something something exciting for the highlands which i which i think it needs you know like like we yeah. were we were at the burger truck which is great um which is one thing i really think the highlands needed um just something casual something fun something that's you know it's going to be the same day in day out and doesn't take itself so seriously as no well. there's so much of that going on yeah exactly i mean that's, you can't you can't take yourself seriously so nah, that's, that's that's awesome man you've got such a, a rich background in like food focus stuff with with everything from how it was created its inception to how it ends up on a plate which is really 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 cool it's it's the whole farm to plate thing which yeah. is awesome and you brought that into everything you've done um and we're very privileged to have you in our little part of the world here thank you <laughs> and and yeah thank you so much for coming on the podcast which is really cool as well i appreciate um, it and yeah we we look forward to seeing what you do next i enjoy boozy burgers i as a PT, I'm supposed to be a strong health advocate, and I can't stop myself from wanting to have your burger of the week, really. <laughs> um, which I think is going to be my personal vice from here forward. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. I'm cool with it. It's fine. I'll just, I'll make it work. <laughs> just, just train harder, man. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, sure you're not going to have a problem. Like, um, that's that's 100 how it works. Sure. Um, no, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, Boozy Berry is one of the my favorite places to eat for sure and not just being nice about that yeah appreciate um, it and what you and jacob do i whether you work with him on the next project or do it yourself i'm sure it's just going to be absolutely fantastic and i think everyone's going to love it um next time uh, i do one of these things i might call you because you have a background in music and how to handle a desk and just <laughs> let me explain it to you <laughs> apparently you know what's up so yeah that might be cool next time thank you so much for coming on nathan uh we'll all be looking out for what you do next man thank you so much cheers for having me